Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. I'm going to read to you 2 Peter. We'll start with 2 Peter 1, verse 2. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through, let's say this together, the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So, did you hear that? Who's heard that before? Yeah. Do you understand how much truth and goodness is packed into these four verses? I mean, this is the greeting but we need to look at the details of this greeting because as disciples, what we've been going through this whole series and hopefully the through line that you carry away with no matter what we're speaking on is that you are a disciple. You are a disciple. Like that's your identity. It's who you are. It's your purpose in life. You are a disciple. You are a follower of Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, what we all have to understand is that Our ability to follow is really supported by the life of the Spirit of God. And that life will always reveal, that life comes from the revelation of who Jesus is. And sometimes that knowledge of our God, of our Savior, can grow a little foggy. It could, it, it could get a little dim sometimes. There could be some confusion. There could be some hard times in our lives that create doubt. It could do a lot of different things. And what happens as, as, as we begin to entertain doubt or experience doubt in a way that it immobilizes us or actually renders us paralyzed at some level. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. But you're struggling in your faith, struggling with why, why, why. What happens is your identity as a follower kind of goes away. And what this is saying is that we need to continually grow in the knowledge of God because through the knowledge of God, all things have been given to us that pertain to life and godliness. All things. And I looked up all. Guess what all means? All. It means that in Greek and in Hebrew. All things. Now, there's a lot of people out there, right, that do not have Jesus Christ in their lives, but they're very much alive. So we're talking here about spiritual life. All things that pertain to true spiritual life and godliness is found through the knowledge of Christ. See, as a disciple, we should always be growing in life and in godliness. Life and in godliness. So I would have you look at yourself today and say, was my spiritual life... A little more, I don't know, full of life back then? Has your life grown? Or do you feel you're in a stage where your life has kind of grown dim and hopeless? 
Because what this says is that all things have been given us to sustain life and to grow in life and in godliness. And then how's the godliness part? But what we'll understand as we go through today is that the knowledge of Christ, the revealed knowledge, creates a mindset in us, in an acknowledgement, in a revelation of, I'm not worthy. He is so good. He is so good. He is so good. And because he is so good, the life that I have is rooted in his goodness, not in the goodness of what this life has to offer. Because sometimes this life doesn't have a lot of goodness to offer. But the life of Christ is continual and can grow in the midst of difficulties. That's why the churches are packed in a place that is dealing with a political, issue, political issues and circumstances that we can't even imagine at this point. But yet the churches are packed. But yet churches in America aren't so packed. <laughs> But all I'm saying is this. We all need the knowledge of him. And the word knowledge here is epinosis. See, there's two different words for knowledge. is gnosis and epinosis. You wouldn't know this reading through it in an English translation. It just says knowledge. What he is referring to is not head knowledge, but a revealed knowledge. Head knowledge is good. But the revealed knowledge, the revelation, the wisdom of God is what gives you a clear understanding an experience, a full knowledge of who it is that you serve. It gives you a full knowledge and understanding of his will. And it doesn't come just by reading, but it's understanding that this is a, an alive word. See, the word of God, it's alive. Like, it, it's like, you see that it's alive. There's Jesus is found in here and we all need what we're going to see. If we do not have this understanding, we can eventually burn out. We can become oppressed. We can become tired. We can become hopeless. There's so many things that could happen in each of us as we walk along. If the revealed nature of God and who he is, isn't constantly revealed correcting our own understanding because sometimes what we're going to see is we may have a wrong understanding of who Jesus is and who our God is and what he demands and what he's like. So here's the difference between knowledge, which is academic, the, the, the gnosis or the epinosis. Here's the difference. It's the revealed knowledge. So I'm going to show you, this is a good way of, this is a candle. All right. So what is this? Okay. This candle smells like cinnamon caramel swirl. I love candles. I just do. This smells like cinnamon caramel swirl. So I've just, what does this smell like? And what is this? Right. So if I was to quiz you, right, I would say, first of all, what is this? And what, okay, what do you do with this? You, and then as it burns it, and what does it smell like? Okay. Now, if I asked you, like, straight up, do you know what this smells like? Do you really know that? It's not lit yet. But I, you just told me how it smelled. Right. And you can even read it. So you know it, but you don't know it. What does it smell like? Caramel. Cinnamon caramel swirl. <laughs> okay? 
Okay? <laughs> Look at you snarling. Again, what's it smell like? Do you know what it smells like yet? No. But you do know, because it says it. Now you do. You all, this is the difference between gnosis and epinosis. This is the simplest way I could explain it. Is that you could have all the knowledge in the world. You could recite this over and over again. What this smells like. You could tell me what this is for. How it's shaped. What it's, you could tell me everything that I've told you. But yet, without truly smelling it, you don't know really what it smells like. Because all of you could have a different understanding of what cinnamon caramel swirl smells like. Until you actually smell it. That's what the Holy Spirit provides for us. The Holy Spirit reveals the nature of God. It reveals the life of his word, the depth of his word. It reveals Jesus and his nature in a way that it's experienced so you don't forget it. And as disciples, we need this. We need the aroma of Christ. We need it. And sometimes we think we have it, but we don't have it. All we've ever done is recite it. And that's, you know, that, that it is what it is. But God wants more for you because he knows as disciples, you need to know. Because when you truly know, when you get a good whiff, it changes you. It changes you. But we're inundated with information in this nation. We could turn, no matter where we go, we could find a devotional, we can find a YouTube channel, we can find this, we could, there's, there's so much information and that's a good thing, but it's been substituted for real knowledge at some level. This is what we need. Now, okay, great. So what do we do? Well, we're going to work through that. But I would dare say all of us need a, a fresh whiff. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> yeah. Because what happens if, our, if the knowledge of our God isn't revealed through his word, confirmed by the Holy Spirit and brought alive, what we have is a projection of our own ideal of what God is, which is pretty much a projection of our own ideal self as God. So we have to be very careful. If the knowledge of God, if the knowledge of who Jesus Christ isn't coming from the word itself and the revelation through the Holy Spirit, we could incidentally, accidentally begin to place what we think God is and what he really is for on him, which is really our own projection. And guess what? God will disappoint that because it's not who God is. And it's those moments when we think God should act a certain way and he doesn't that we find a crisis of faith. See, we're missing the aroma. We're missing the experience. See, what's happened is all of a sudden what we thought and what God says totally miss each other. And then we doubt him. And he is saying, "Uh uh-uh. I'm in here. I'm here to be found. I've given you the Holy Spirit as a helper to remind you and to give light into who I am. See, it takes work as disciples to continually grow in the true knowledge of him. You need head knowledge. You need the word in you, but you need to pray and continually push for the revealed nature of God. That's when life change happens. So I want to read to you from Matthew 16, 21. 
And it says this, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, we're going to look at this real quick, because what happens after this is so significant. But Peter just ran into the problem I was talking about. He had an idea, an understanding of what the Christ would do. And Jesus just totally blew that out of the water. And turn it upside down. See, Peter's ideal, Peter's hope, Peter's vision for the Christ was that he would reign on earth and liberate Jerusalem. And that they would reign again and that he would reign with Jesus on his left hand side or right hand side. That he would be part of a movement. And Jesus just said, I'm going to get killed. This happens to us all the time. Who has had an experience where God did not answer the things in a way that you wanted them answered? (laughs) Peter did not have a full understanding yet. And he rebuked Jesus, saying, "Uh uh-uh, this is not what you're going to do. Who's ever said that to God before? (laughs) Apparently you're not hearing. So this is very important to understand that we have a responsibility to grow in these things, to grow in the knowledge of God. And we're going to see how that happens. But more importantly, I'm setting the precedent or understanding and and the foundation of how to deal with seasons in your life. First of all, you have to recognize where is your source of hopelessness or discouragement or doubt coming from. And often it's because things are happening to you that you don't like, that you don't understand. And God isn't acting in a way that you would act if you were God. But God is, his thoughts and ways are above our ways. He is good. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, no matter what the circumstance. And he can be found in any, any season of life, any circumstance of life, no matter where you are, what you've been through, you see, God wants to continually reveal his faithfulness and his heart to us because it grounds us as disciples. And as we're grounded in the knowledge of him, as we go out, we are truly then representing him. (laughs) And so watch what happens though. Right after he goes, Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And he's referring to Peter saying, you got to deny your own understanding, deny what you think you want, deny what you think is best, deny who you even think I am and follow me. Let me show you who I am and pick up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it for what profit is it to a man if he uh, gains the whole world and loses his own soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And he is setting up what's about to happen in Matthew 17. Chronologically, what happens uh, next makes so much sense. So Peter's world has just been turned upside down. 
Anyone ever had their world turned upside down? Where in your mind, God kind of failed you. Or God wasn't the loving God you thought he was. Or God didn't do something in a certain way. So all of a sudden, you find yourself like Peter going, What? And so he's still processing this. And then, and then Jesus is like, and then you got to deny yourself and follow me. Oh, but I, this is a whole new twist. This is hard. Because we have to understand the expectations that Peter and disciples had. And he just dropped a bomb. And then he says, follow me. Now watch what happens. Verse 1. Now, after six days, six days of them having to process this, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Do you start to see the significance now of what Jesus, why he did this? Their whole idea of what Jesus stood for and what he was going to do was turned upside down. You know there was discouragement. You know there was confusion. You know there could have been a sense of hopelessness and even doubt. And so Jesus said, come up on the mountain with me. Now Jesus now transfigures himself. And he becomes like light. Moses shows up, Elijah shows up, and now in the middle of all this, everything that Peter is trying to process, he says, this is good. (laughs) Let's just stay here. I don't want to leave. Nothing has changed. Jesus still has to go through what he has to go through. But what he is doing is he is establishing again who he is. Now, what happens here, I've never noticed before. But even in this moment, Peter makes a mistake in terms of the identification of Jesus because he puts Jesus on equal plane with Moses and Elijah. Let's build all of them the same tabernacle. Let's build all of them the same tent. So you got the law represented in Moses and you got the prophets represented in Elijah. But you have Jesus, which is the fulfillment of all of it. And so as he's in the middle of speaking this, this is so good. And we're going to take all three of you and we're going to put you And what do you want? You want a bed? Do you want What do you want? You know, what do you want a hammock? How does it work? He's like going through his whole plan and God interrupts him while he was still speaking. God speaks and says, this is my beloved son, not Moses, not Elijah. This is my beloved son. Hear him. Hear him. See, he's establishing again. God himself is establishing the voice of God speaking from heaven saying, do not doubt this is my son. What you heard him speak has to be done. This is my son. Hear him. Like really hear him. 
know that what he is doing has been predicted and prophesied. He is the embodiment of all. He is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. See, we need these moments. We need that. He heard the voice of God. It was the experience of hearing that that changed because what you're going to see, watch this. In verse 6, and when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, arise and do not be afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but who? Jesus owned. Do you see? They saw Jesus transfigured. They saw Moses. They saw Elijah. And they're like, oh, this is nice. This is neat. And then God spoke and they're like, oh my gosh. Like, it, it changed the game. They didn't fall to their faces until they heard the confirmation of God's voice revealing his son and his nature and who he is. See, that's an experience. They saw it, but man, they heard it, and it penetrated them to the core, and they could do nothing but fall to their faces. And I'm telling you, the revelation of Jesus The true epinosis knowledge will create more and more humility. It will break you. It will put things into perspective. So there was no more questions. I didn't hear Peter saying, so wait real quick. So why again does Jesus have to die? Because I'm still really confused about that. No, he fell on his face. So you see how Jesus works. He had to kind of disappoint them. Saying, I know what you think, but this is who I really am. We all have to go through that sometimes where he disappoints us because he's not acting according to our standards or desires or wishes, but he says, I'm still God. And if you allow me to, in this moment, I can reveal myself to you again. I can reveal the depth of who I am. I can reveal my heart to you. I can reveal that I am God, the son of God. So again, It's the aroma. It's the aroma. Have you all, can you point to a time when life flew off the page and hit you in the heart? Where you had an experience that all of a sudden you like knew Jesus. Like knew him. Like, or has it always been here. Peter is like, you have all you need in the knowledge, in the knowledge of Jesus. And watch what he says. We're almost done here. Second Peter one. Now what? I'm skipping a, uh, down a bit. We started in second Peter one, two. Now we're going to, we're going to jump down to verse 16. Watch what he says. For we do not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father, honor, and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Look at what he's Telling them. 
Look at what he is using to help inspire them, but it gets better. And so we have this prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Did you catch something there? He was saying, I was there. I saw it, and I heard it, and it opened my eyes. It confirmed who he was. It revealed who he was. And what it did, it confirmed the prophetic word. It confirmed what is spoken of in Scripture, because this is life. And they didn't have the New Testament yet. They were writing it. So he was saying the prophetic word that Jesus existed in the Old And that what happened on that mountain, as great as it was, only confirmed what was in here to be found and discovered. It confirmed it. You all, we have Jesus here. We have him here. This will match here. We have to know that we can find more and more of Jesus in here. And if you're struggling right now, he can be found. There is a mountaintop for all of us. All Jesus did and God did was reveal his nature. They didn't, it didn't perform. It didn't take care of any need. It didn't take care of any plan change. It just, he established who he was as king. And sometimes we just need that. And next week, We're going to see how Peter actually lays out things that we could actually do that increases the revealed knowledge of Christ in us so that we don't forget. And so that we're not unfruitful in the knowledge. Head knowledge is good, but heart knowledge is where it's at. Amen? Amen. All right, Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you for this day, Lord, this day of new beginnings and... Lord, we thank you again that we have your word. Lord, we have your Holy Spirit. And Jesus, I pray for all of us that there, there is a, there's a new, we, we all need new revelation, Lord. A, a, a depth of revelation, Jesus. We need it. Lord, I pray on behalf of all of us, Lord, that as you lead us this week, we're able to hear. But more importantly, Lord, we have the courage to obey and to seek and to find, Lord, so that you can be revealed. Lord, help none of us be content with where we are at with you. That's the good news. There's no end to the wisdom that can be gained and insight into who you are. and What a loving, graceful, powerful God that you are. Jesus, I pray that your grace and mercy is experienced here today in this moment, Lord, that anyone who has disqualified themselves cannot. And that they are uplifted, Lord, by the revelation your love for them and they were purposefully made Jesus we love you we love you Amen You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield located in Broomfield, Colorado To contact Pastor Russ visit his website at russfalachi.com That's Russ, F-A-I-L-L-A-C-I dot com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith 
is an applied faith.